Jesus come back again. Big white horses 
healing hands of the Savior to help us again, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you're the only way. Bring a guiding light down from heaven. works well for the size group we have. Are we over budget? A little bit, but we're getting close. I can't believe how fast this is coming together. I hope the team goes for the idea. Oh, I think they will. I get the sense they really liked our idea, so we'll see. Seriously, Terry, you've been amazing putting this all together. I mean, I like to think of myself as the creative type, but you, you're off the charts. I wish I felt the same way. You know how you were saying the other day that you really tried to focus on how God feels about you? Uh-huh. Well, maybe I should have listened more to what my grandma tried to teach me about God when I was a kid, but I honestly don't know what you mean by that. How do you know how God feels about you? Well, the Bible, and I'd say the main way that I know how God feels about me is by seeing all he's done for me so that I can have a relationship with him. A relationship? What does that mean? like a great friendship, one that's been reconciled after an argument or a disagreement. Tell you what, can I grab your sketch pad and borrow your marker? 
Let me try to draw a picture that will explain what this is all about. Uh, well, now you're talking my language. Draw away. Hmm. Okay, but be kind, because I'm not quite the artist that you are. <laughs> no worries. Well, this is God, and this is us. And God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. However, we blew it by rebelling against him, by doing what we wanted to do instead of what God says is right. And this broke off that relationship. And I think deep down we're all aware of this, so we try to do things to get back to God on our own. Things like being a good person or um, helping others, even going to church. And these aren't bad things, but they fail to get us back to God. Now, the Bible also tells us that we sin and that the penalty is spiritual death, which means separation from God for all eternity in a place called hell. This is where we're all at, and there's nothing we can do to change it. And this brings you confidence? <laughs> I know, it sounds pretty bad, huh? <laughs> It'd be tough if this were all there was to it. Uh, this is really bad news, but the Bible also tells us that there's good news. You see, even after all we've done, God still wants to have a relationship with us. And so he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He built a bridge back to himself. How? Well, Christ paid the spiritual death penalty by dying on the cross as our substitute. <laughs> and he rose from the dead to give us life. Mm. Interesting. Now, one last thing. You see, the Bible says that it's not enough to just know all these things about God and Jesus. That that, that would be like standing over here on the left, nodding in agreement. That won't get us anywhere. To have a relationship with God, we need to receive him by admitting that we've sinned and asking for his forgiveness and to be the leader in our life. And that's how we cross over. I know this is a lot. <laughs> uh, does it make sense? Yeah, I think so. Well, looking at this fantastic artwork, <laughs> where would you say that you are? Where I am, what do you mean? Well, let's say there's somebody way over here on the left who's separate from God and doesn't want anything to do with God. And then you have a person here on the edge of the cliff who's ready to cross over and trust in Christ. And then over here to the right, you have someone that's already in a relationship with God. Where would you place yourself? I'm not totally sure, but probably somewhere close to the middle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not a religious person or anything, but I am open to finding out more about God. I don't know about the whole relationship thing. That's all right. We could talk more about it later. Yeah. I think I'll have a ton more questions <laughs> at some point. Thanks. No problem. Well, should we keep working on this?
Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. We've already had some wonderful things happening today, haven't we? Uh, how about that? How about those songs that we just heard at the beginning? Wasn't that wonderful? You, you know, it's amazing how God uh, sends people to us uh, that we need. And uh, one person that uh, God has sent to us is John Haynes. Where do you go? There he is back there. John Haynes, um, who he and Tim Hall sang those two songs. John wrote both of those songs. And aren't, aren't they wonderful? Aren't, aren't they beautiful songs? Thank you, guys. We really appreciate that. We're glad that you're here today, and we welcome you. We welcome our guests especially, and if you're a first-time guest today, we'd like to invite you to stop by our hospitality table in our foyer after the worship service and pick up a little gift that we have for you today. Uh, just a few announcements. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take a uh, moment to fill that out and uh, complete that as much as you feel comfortable uh, uh, doing and checking the appropriate box on there. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. The uh, video that we just saw is a part of a, a study that we're doing each Wednesday night called Becoming a Contagious Christian. We're talking about ways that we can share our faith with other people uh, through, our, through our relationships in a non, uh, non-threatening way. And this was one demonstration of that. So we'd like to invite you to come on Wednesday nights. We'll have... Uh, a light uh, dinner at 5.45, and then we'll continue our study on becoming a cr- contagious Christian at 6.30 afterwards. We have a number of things that are coming up on Saturday. Our youth will be sponsoring a youth uh, spaghetti supper and entertainment. Uh, that will be at 6 o'clock on Saturday. The tickets are $15 apiece, and all the money goes towards, uh, towards our youth ministry. I think there's going to be an auction as well. And uh, Julie said that she would like to have a head count as of today. So if you have tickets that are out there, uh, please let her know how many you have sold uh, today. A um, couple of other things. Any of you who have been here, you know that some of these lights buzz up here. We're going to be replacing these lights on Wednesday. So that means uh, we need to move all of these chairs. So if we could get some uh, strong backs to, uh, after the worship service to move these chairs and move them out of the way, we would certainly appreciate it. And one other thing that we're doing uh, th- um, this week is, is on Wednesday, we'll be uh, a group of us will be here mulching our flower beds. And I think we're uh, meeting at 730. Is that right? on Wednesday morning. So uh, many hands make light work. And so if you'd like to help with that, we would appreciate it. One other thing, um, our extreme build. uh, We have a group of folks who came back from who uh, went to to Kentucky or to uh, eastern Kentucky this week. We left after church last Sunday, went to uh, Pine Knot, Kentucky, where we built a uh, built a house. Now, uh, some of us went and left early, so I want those who left early to come up here because I got something for you. We got some T-shirts before y'all left, so I want to share those T-shirts with you. Let's see here. Uh, that's a small. That must be Kelsey's. That's not Bob's. This is actually last year's. This 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 is actually last year's T-shirts. Can you see them well? Okay. 
<laughs> there you go, Bob. That's just for you. That's Bob's size. <laughs> and there you go, Jika. That must be yours. <laughs> you hang in here. Uh, so, so we we started that. Y'all, y'all can go. <laughs> John's gonna stay here for a minute. You can go if you like. You can stay here if you want to. <laughs> but we just want to. I just want to make sure that y'all got those T-shirts. There were nine of us that went from our church to 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 uh, be a part of this build. It's an extreme build, and you you may see that um, put up there the foundation. The foundation. Um, Graphic there, guys. There you go. This is what it looked like last Wednesday, a week ago Wednesday. This is what the house looked like that day, just a week and a half ago. And um, so that's what we started out with just a, just a short while ago. John's going to uh, give us a few words about his experience. He was there just a couple of days, but he's going to give us just a few few words about his experience at Extreme Build here. I just want to let you know, this was my bunkie. So, yes, those rumors are true. I'm sleeping with the preacher. (laughs) And, no, he doesn't snore. What a fantastic and fabulous experience I had on the uh, extreme build and the camaraderie and the fellowship. It was truly amazing. I just wanted to say it was really, really wonderful to see my daughter helping a family in such great need. This frail couple had nothing in the squalor that they lived in was unbelievable. And this family needed a home. And so many people came together and gave them that home. Next year, we're going to go and we're going to stay for the whole thing. Because Kelsey wanted me to. (laughs) Down there, you meet a lot of amazing people. And you hear a lot of amazing stories. And, uh... You get bored and you do some pretty crazy things. But um, we had so much fun and we did learn a lot. Um, I was too young to do a lot of stuff, so I just kind of, like, sat around. And, but hearing these, like, all these older people would just come up to you and they want to know everything about you. And so, of course, you want to learn everything about them. And they are just the sweetest people. You go down there and you meet and hear the most amazing stories from the most amazing people. And I think that next year everyone needs to go. It was an amazing experience. And I had a lot of fun. <laughs> we built this house for Butch and Marianne Brown. Uh, Butch has lung cancer. Uh, he will not be with us much longer. He's, he's going to die soon. Uh, but he wanted his wife to have a house. They didn't come to the site until... It was finished, and 
the, uh, the local transportation department brought them out. He was in a wheelchair, and the doors opened, and uh, Mary Ann burst into tears, and he was so proud. He was so proud. A frail, frail man. I understand he used to weigh about 200 pounds. Now he weighs about 85. Just skin and bones. But we're going to provide his family with a house. And here's the final product. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? In a week and a half, we built that house. And yesterday... We gave them the keys and moved them in. That's a wonderful thing. Thank you for allowing us that opportunity to be a part of this, this great mission. Thank you. Okay, one other thing. Um, thank you for the wonderful Father's Day breakfast that we had this morning. It was a wonderful time, a wonderful breakfast and a wonderful way uh, to honor the fathers of our church. And I want to do that one other, one other time. If you're a father or a father figure, if you could stand for just a moment and let us honor you today on Father's Day. A father or a father figure. Come on, stand up. And now everybody else stand up and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. As you are finding your seats, I'd like to invite our children to come down for our children's moment. Come on down, children. We have children's moment right over here. Miss Mary will be leading our children's moment today. There are some children right over here, right over here on, on this side. Come on, children. And Neva and Logan and Dane. Good morning, Miss Jocelyn. Haven't seen you for a while. How are you, Kevin? Come on, Solomon. Come over here. I've got a story for you this morning. What father? Um, uh, what father? What Dr. Tim just talked about the good breakfast we had. What were we celebrating? Father's Day. Guess what my story's about? Good, Greg. Good. All right, about Father's Day. Do you ever wonder how Father's Day got started? Why do we celebrate Father's Day? It all started because a lady wanted to thank her father for all he had done for her family. Makes sense, right? Listen to this, Father. The first Father's Day in the United States was celebrated in Washington in 1910. June 19, 1910. 
It was proposed by Mrs. John Dodd in 1909. And you know what? Her father, he had raised six children alone because the wife, his wife, died in childbirth of the last child. So he, and he was a veteran. And in 1966, we decided to make Father's Day a national holiday, and that's why we celebrate it every day. It says, fathers are very special. Is your father special? Yes. So special that they are mentioned in the Bible. Since the Bible is like an instruction manual, it's like how we're supposed to live our life, it gives us on instructions on how to treat our Father. And I think you guys already know this, but I'm going to go over it anyway. Do any of you know what the Ten Commandments are? Nobody? Dane, Logan, Ten Commandments? Remember, they're the rules that God gave Moses for all of us to follow. And one of the commandments that is important to God is honor thy mother and father. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Why is there ten and not nine? There's Dr. Tim. Answer that one, as, as, you know, people in business say, we'll get back with you on that. I, I'm not sure. Um, all right, we've talked about this back in children's church. What does honor mean? Nobody's going to help me? Honor. Honor can mean many things. When we listen, do you all listen to your fathers? When we obey, love, and appreciate, and forgive our dad, that is how we honor him. That means when he asks you to do something... Yes, you do it. You do it without complaining, right? Okay. When you show your love by, uh, to your dad, you can hug him. You can tell him that you love him. And that's another way to honor him. You can also appreciate your dad by thanking him when he does things for you. What's something your dad does for you? Fun things. Fun things? You betcha. Dads aren't perfect all the time. They make mistakes. But we need to forgive our dads when they make mistakes because, because God asks us to do that. There's other verses in the Bible that ask us to listen to our Father's instructions. And by doing this, we can learn discipline and we can learn understanding. That means when your dad gives you advice or he warns you that something is um, dangerous, you need to listen to him. Your dad was a kid once too. A long time ago, right? He knows lots of stuff because he's lived longer than you have. So if your dad asks you to hold his hand when you cross the street, does he ever do that? Why does he do that? He don't want us to get one over. That's right. He wants you to, um, he has to say no to you sometimes too. And you know he's only doing that to keep you safe and to keep you healthy. Yeah. All right, here's one more verse in the Bible. And this verse says, Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. I know that sometimes you don't always want to obey your parents, but it's important that you both obey them because that makes God happy. Okay. One last thing. No matter how old you get, your dad is always going to be your dad. Sometimes you might think that you can talk back to him, but please don't. The Bible says to obey your parents always, not just when you're a kid. Your parents want the best for you, and they know what they're talking about. Okay? All right. 
Don't forget that we also have a heavenly Father that cares and loves us no matter what. Who am I talking about? So if you don't have a father around all the time, or even if you do, God is the father of all fathers. He's there when our father can't be. And did you guys see all those people that stood up? All the fathers and all the men in our church? Because we have a church family. Do you think they... Remember on Mother's Day we gave all of our women a special treat? We gave them a rose? Do you think our fathers need a special treat today? Okay, because the praise band's getting ready to do two more songs, and we love the praise band. And while they're doing that, I'm going to give you each a bag, and you're going to give every man in the church a special treat. What kind of special treat? If we gave a rose to the mothers, what kind of special treat do you think we give to dad? I know my husband loves it. What? Candy bar. Oh, looky here. Chocolate for our dad. So... All these wonderful kids, take a bag, give each man in this church a special treat, and then go back to children's church with us while the music's playing, okay? Pass it out to all the men. One, two, three. Two, three, four. Everybody stand.
song is called All Who Are Thirsty. people say Please follow along with me for the scripture reading. 
He also said the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe at once, he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. When many such parables, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Pray with me. Happy Father's Day, dear God. You gave us your Son, Jesus, your ultimate sacrifice for us. To love us that much is humbling. In turn, we offer these tithes and token, a small token of our appreciation to you, God. Throughout the week, may we keep the Holy Trinity in our thoughts and our heart and share your word with others. We say this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Father, Father, Father 
You are the light that leads my way. You guide me through the daily storm. You fill my cup when I need more. You lift me up when I fall. Father, Father. When you took your last breath, I saw the pain in your eyes. I feel your love; it's in my heart. It's with me until I die. Father, Father, Father of my life. Father, Father, Father of my life. Father, Father, Father of my Thanks, guys. I brought my my uh, Reese's up here because I didn't want anybody to take it away. <laughs> I wasn't going to leave it out there. <laughs> there was a guy who went out on the golf course one day where he saw another man who apparently had four caddies. So he asked the man, why so many caddies? And the man replied, well, it's my wife's idea. She thinks I should spend more time with the kids. You get it? The kids were the caddies? Okay. (laughs) That's one way of doing it, I guess. Uh, But I I suspect that this is probably the same dad who, when they brought their first baby home from the hospital, was asked to help with changing the diapers. And he said, I'm busy. I'll, I'll get the next one. I'll do the next one. And so the next time came around and she asked again if he would help with changing the diaper. And the husband got this puzzled look on his face. He said, oh, I didn't mean the next diaper. I meant the next kit. If it doesn't make you laugh, it may make you cry. But but welcome to this Father's Day of 2012. We lost a a very popular cartoonist last year, one of my favorites, Bill Keene, who was the creator of the Family Circus cartoon. In one of his most memorable cartoons, we see Dad relaxing in his easy chair, trying to read the paper. 
He turns to see little Billy with his, his baseball and his bat and his glove walking out the door, and Billy says, Anytime you're ready, Dad, I'll be sitting outside growing older. <laughs> Hurts a little bit, but you know what? It's not easy being a dad, just as it's not easy being a mom. But of course, there are times when dads come in handy, aren't there? I read about a beautiful wedding in which a radiant bride processed down the aisle on the arm of her father and they reached the altar where the groom was standing there beaming at his his new bride there waiting. And then the bride kissed her father and placed something in his hand. It was his credit card. <laughs> yeah, sometimes dads come in handy. Robin Fairbanks, the comedian, says, I have an 18-year-old daughter. Her name is Alexis. I chose that name because if I hadn't had her, I'd be driving one. (laughs) I like what Phyllis Diller says. She says, I want my children to have all the things that I couldn't afford, and then I want to move in with them. Just kidding, of course, but... Our text for today is is not specifically designed for fathers. Instead, it is designed for followers, followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. And yet when it's planted, it grows and and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such large branches that the birds can make their nests in its shade. Now, some of us may may have a misconception about the plant that comes from the mustard seed. The fact is that there's no such thing as a mustard tree. So if you're thinking about a tree like a mighty redwood tree coming from a mustard seed, you're, you're mistaken. I think maybe if Jesus had been teaching in, in California, he might have used the giant redwood tree and to talk about the miracle of a, the acorn or, or the cone. But, and, and the principle would, principle would have been the same, but he was teaching in Palestine. And so he chose something that was common to the people in Palestine. He chose the mustard seed. You see, the, the, mustard, the mustard plant is, is a shrub, but in that, that part of the world it grows to become one of the largest of all of the shrubs. And the point of this parable is the same either way. And here it is. From a very small seed, major accomplishments can occur. And I think the primary example of that kind of growth is the story of the early church. It began with with just Jesus by himself. And then he added 12 disciples along with a, a handful of women who were there from the very beginning giving their support and sharing their witness. But look how much that that tiny group of people has grown. From that tiny cluster of individuals It is estimated that there are now over 2.1 billion Christians in this world. That's about a third of the population of the earth. And we're still growing. So you see, from that tiniest of seeds, the mightiest of all plants has grown. 
But the church itself is a seed too, isn't it? And God has, has planted us in this world to, to make a difference in the world. And even though we have been a flawed group of people, the church, the influence of the Christian church has exerted, has exerted upon the world cannot be overstated. It is tremendous what the church has done in this world. Many of the values of Western civilization are rooted in the teachings of Christ and in the scriptures. For example, all of the hospitals in America were originally Christian hospitals. Did you know that? It was Christians who started hospitals here in America. The original colleges here in America were all Christian colleges. The civil rights movement has had its origin in the scriptures, and and we are continually reminded of the male oriented uh, how male oriented the scriptures are. But but tell me any religion on earth that has freed more women than Jesus has. As one observer has noted, even our system of government is a product of these values. I mean, think about it. Where did our constitution come from? It was written by Thomas Jefferson. And where did he get his ideas? He got his ideas from the French Enlightenment. And where did the French Enlightenment get its ideas? Its ideas came from the Renaissance. And where did the Renaissance get its ideas? From the Reformation. And where did the Reformation get its ideas? From the Bible. My friends, that tiny seed planted more than 2,000 years ago, is slowly but surely changing the world. Not as quickly as God would like for it to, but that seed is growing still until the day will come when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you see, there's power in that, in what we might call the, a mustard seed faith. But, of course, parents can see the power of that mustard seed faith all the time, can't we? We see it all the time. A baby is born into a household, and, and could there be a, a more significant event than that? Every baby born into this world represents hope for a new beginning. It is said that Queen Victoria was fascinated by the brilliance of the scholars who made up England's royal society. And on, on one occasion, she whispered to Prime Minister John Bright, where do all these learned men come from? And his answer was, from babies, Your Majesty, from babies. <laughs> My friends, every time a baby is born into this world, a, a potential mustard seed of greatness is planted. It's kind of like a, a small rural church which over the years produced several outstanding clergy persons. While interviewing a, a new slate of pastoral candidates, a, a member of the search committee mentioned some of these former pastors that had, of that small church that had gone on to serve in, in prominent positions. 
One had been a a seminary president and and the pastor of a large city church. And another also was a seminary president. A third was a president of two denominational conventions and an international alliance. And so the, the young candidate asked, how in the world did you find that many potentially great men in this small church? And the committee member said, find them. We didn't find them. We made them. And you know, he's right. Our children are the most important product that we have as a church. And that's why we need to make our ministry to both our children and our youth the best that they can possibly be. I like the way Pablo Casals, the world-renowned cellist, once described it. He said, what do we teach our children? We teach them that two plus two, two makes four, and that Paris is the capital of France. When will we also teach them what they are? We should say to each of them, do you know what you are? You are a marvel. You are unique. There has never been another child like you. Your legs, your arms, your clever fingers, the way you move. You may become a Shakespeare or a Michelangelo or a Beethoven. You have the capacity for anything. You are a marvel. And they are, aren't they? Children are the primary mustard seeds that our church is sowing. And if we do our job right, they will become ambassadors for Christ, making the kingdom of God even more of a reality in this world that badly needs God's grace. And all of this is to say that one way we can serve God is by helping our young people know who they are and what God can do through them. So I guess this is turning into a Father's Day sermon after all, isn't it? But of course, it's not just for fathers. It's for all of us. Because you don't have to be a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle to influence the life of a child. Everyone in this room, directly or indirectly, influences our children, whether you are a parent or not. As I look back on my own childhood and youth, I, I have many folks who have influenced my life, and I'm sure that, that all of you could say the same thing. Dr. Fred Craddock is a man who has influenced so many pastors across our land. He once told about the teacher, the Sunday school teacher, who most influenced him. He said her name was Miss Emma Sloan. Miss Sloan was an elderly woman, single. She taught him in the primary department, and since there was no one to teach his group as, a, as juniors, she moved up with them and taught them for, for several years. She gave him a Bible and wrote in the, in the front of the Bible, May this be a light unto your feet and a lamp for your path, and signed it, Emma Sloan. She taught the children to memorize Scripture. She never tried to interpret it. Never tried to interpret it. Craddock says he doesn't remember her ever explaining a thing to them. She said, just put it in your heart. Just put it in your heart. They used the the alphabet. She used the alphabet and they'd go around the room saying 
verses that they memorized. A, a soft answer turns away wrath. B, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. C, come unto me, all you who, who labor and are heavy laden. D, do unto others as you, have, as you would have them do unto you. He says that he can still remember those verses. She didn't explain what the verses meant. She just sowed those seeds of Scripture into their hearts. They learned those verses and recited them to their parents on Sunday afternoon. And Craddock says, I can't think of anything, anything in all of my life that has made such a radical difference as those verses of Scripture. The Spirit of God brings them to my mind time and time again as I have need for them. So you see, you don't have to be a parent to have an influence over our youth and our children. Every teacher, every adult who speaks a word of encouragement to a young person, every person who votes on the budget for our youth and and children's ministry makes a difference on how effective we are in ministering to those children and youth in our congregation. So many people ask, what great thing can I do for God? I can't be an overseas missionary. I don't have the resources to do much to feed the poor and the hungry. But every one of us has the, has the ability to provide the proper environment for our children and our youth to grow up in an atmosphere of love and support spiritual guidance. Our children are the mustard seed of God's kingdom and and we are to love them and nurture them and to help them to become all that God intends for them to be. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it, says Jesus? It's a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth and when it is planted... It grows and becomes the largest of all plants with such large branches that the birds can make its nests in its shade. That's the story of the church. Somebody summed up mustard seed faith like this. The Son of Man grew up in a despised province. He did not appear in public until his 30th year. Then he taught for two or three years in neighboring villages and occasionally in Jerusalem, made a few converts, mainly among the poor and uneducated, and then falling into the hands of his enemies, he died the shameful death of a cross, and that was the beginning of the universal kingdom of God. A tiny mustard seed sown in the ground, But God brought Christ forth from the grave. And and then those who had learned from Him began to spread His story wherever they went. And today, 2,000 years later, here we are again telling that story. Once again. Sowing the seed again. So you see, one of our most important responsibilities is to make sure that our children and our young people are well steeped in the story of Christ. 
Because if we do that, then they too can make it their own. And they can pass it on along to their children when the time comes. And what a wonderful privilege that is. Some of you probably saw the movie many years ago called Oh God. You remember that movie? Some of you remember that movie. Great movie. George Burns and John Denver. Uh, Burns, George Burns played the role of God. And John Denver played the role of a grocery store manager named Jerry. And one day God came to Jerry and, and decided he wanted to communicate his love to the world through Jerry. And so Jerry, with a, a lot of reluctance, holds a news conference to deliver God's message. And, and through the twists of the plot, he eventually ends up in a courtroom where God is called to testify in his defense. Toward the end of the movie, the two evaluate the success of their mission. And Jerry judges it to be a huge failure. He didn't see anything that was accomplished by any of this. But here's what God said. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't think it was a failure at all. You never know. A little seed here. A little seed there. Something will catch hold and grow. That's the story of our faith. That's the story of the church. And that's the story of God's people 2,000 years ago and today. Planting seeds. Nurturing them. Sometimes watching them grow. And so it's my prayer that we, all of us here today, will continue to nurture the seeds of faith that we plant. So that we will reap the harvest of God's great kingdom here in this world. Amen. We're going to sing number 601, Teach Me, O Lord, I Pray. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to God's moving in your heart. Perhaps God is speaking to you today in some way, and we invite you to uh, respond in whatever way is proper. There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Christ. We invite you to do that. You may be here looking for a church home to be involved with and be a part of and to join. And we invite you to to join our church today. Um, or, Or you may need a time of prayer today. We invite you to come and we'll pray together. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing 601, Teach Me, O Lord, I Pray. That are planted in your name so that there will be a great harvest of your kingdom to come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Then who 
Thank you. Thank you.